This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 27 of Go To Grandma, the only radio show in Canada dedicated to talking to today's grandparents. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth, and I can tell you that love is in the air this morning for our Valentine's Day show. And maybe more importantly than love being in the air, the smell of cookies and homemade meals are circulating as I welcome two very special women to the show to share some of their culinary skills with us so that we can share them with our grandkids. Julie Van Rosendahl is the author of many cookbooks, including her latest, Cookies I Have Loved. I mean, the title speaks for itself. Julie is going to tell us what inspired this book, which recipes she suggests sharing with our grandkids in both the baking and eating process, and why she decided to only distribute and sell this book through independent bookstores and not the big chains and online outlets. Marilyn Smith returns to Go To Grandma. She was on my very first show, and I'm so glad she's back, to help us pull together a special heart-healthy Valentine's meal with items you should be able to find in your home pantry. And if your pantry is lacking, she's going to tell us what to stock there so we can do this anytime, not just on February the 14th. Another thing you can and should be doing anytime, or in fact, right now, is estate planning. Do you have a will? Do you know what happens if you don't have one when you pass away? Do you know what a power of attorney really is? As part of our Take 5 with RBC series, I'm talking to Erin Klug today, co-founder and COO of Epilogue Wills, an online platform that helps people create their own wills and more. I think that coffee is finally brewed and that tea is expertly steeped. Go get your cup, grab a seat, and get ready for another half hour of facts and fun on GoToGrandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Thanks again for joining us. Julie Van Rosendahl is the Calgary-based author of 12 best-selling cookbooks. She has been the food columnist on the Calgary Eye Opener on CBC Radio 1 for over 16 years and writes about food for the Globe and Mail and for other publications across Canada. Julie teaches, speaks, and cooks at culinary schools and events across the country and has a very engaged audience on her social media channels and website, dinner with Julie. Good morning, Julie Van Rosendahl. Thanks so much for joining us on our Valentine's Day special. Thanks for having me. How is it Valentine's Day already? I know, right? Well, it's good, right? It's a bright spot, right? In our winter. And speaking of bright spots, I got your new cookbook, Cookies I Have Loved, which I mean, the title again speaks for itself. I love it. And Julie, it's all cookies all the time. Why cookies? What is so magical about cookies that inspired you to write a whole cookbook about them? Oh, you know, it's often for kids, it's their first experience in the kitchen is making cookies, you know, with a a parent or a grandparent. And it's something that's, you know, universally loved, right? They're simple to make. Um, They're, they're, you know, small and, and delicious and shareable. And when you bake, you tend to bake with other people in mind, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of a gesture of support and love and, and celebration and just, just cookies are you know something that i think all of us need right now is <laughs> <laughs> baking cookies for each other and i did have a, a cookie bakery back in the 90s so when i was thinking about what to do next you know and what what are people wanting right now you know what are they people are still baking my first cookbook was a cookie book cookbook and i 
so I sort of went back and, you know, did another one and uh, refreshed, you know, added new recipes. I used some recipes from, geez, 1999 was when my first book came out. And then, you know, all the ones that I've sort of collected in the years since. That's amazing. And you're absolutely right when you talk about all of the things that cookies can bring to us. They're giftable. They're, you're right. It's one of the first things we do with our own kids. And then, you know, it's very, it's a classic grandma move, isn't it? To bake cookies in the kitchen with your classic, classic move with your grandkids. So when I'm looking through your book, which the photographs are absolutely mouthwatering as well, are there a couple of recipes in there that you would pick out that are sort of more on the the simple side that we could make with our grandkids? Oh, totally. One of my favorites uh, are the the chocolate lava cookies, which my my nephew named when he was seven. He's 31 now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And they're like a chocolate crackle cookie. So it's it's a chocolate dough that you roll into balls and you roll the balls in icing sugar, which little kids love doing mm-hmm. you know, rolling dough into balls, rolling ice and sugar, and then they spread and crack in the oven, and they look, you know, like crackled sort of zebra cookies. And uh, and they're delicious, you know. So so that's one that I've been making. That was actually the biggest seller in my bakery in the 90s. So that's one I've been oh, making for decades. So fun to make, but also fun at the end with the whole, you know, the zebra sort of look to them as yeah. well. So, Julie, I know that this book, when I tried to pick it up to get it for this show, it was hard to find, but for a really good reason. First of all, it's sold out, but it's sold out at independent bookstores. And tell me about your thought process about launching it just in, into independent bookstores. Well, you know, I think we are really realizing the impact that our our support can have on independent businesses throughout the pandemic. And there are very few independent bookstores left in Canada. Uh, I live in Calgary, and we actually have more in Calgary than any any city in really in Canada, which is uh, yeah, it's surprising. I keep going through and looking, and and yeah, so which is pretty amazing. There are only two cookbook stores left in Canada and Montreal and in Calgary. And once they close, you know, they're not coming back, right? right. So, right. I mean, the publishing industry, I could speak for hours about how the publishing industry has changed and Amazon has changed things for mm-hmm. for everybody. Costco, you know, people are used to getting books at discounts. It's hurting bookstores, it's hurting the authors, it's hurting publishers. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to try it. I'll have it be exclusive to independent bookstores. And let me tell you, the bookstores were thrilled. I was amazed how many people went out of their way to visit independent bookstores just to get it. And I had oh, one, funny. it's amazing, one one bookstore in Calgary, uh, Pages, they have a location in Kensington, and then the next page in Inglewood, just to bring another load, they were selling so many. And they said, you know, just your book has paid our rent for both locations this month, which is, like, it makes such a big impact, right? It makes a a big difference. And and making people think, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. think about why I chose to do that. Yeah, it just makes people realize, I think, how important it is. It's awesome. And I'm a big supporter. I'm a huge reader and I'm a big supporter of independent books and type books in Toronto. And then I'll give a shout out to one in Thornbury, Ontario called Jessica's Books, where I haunt all the time when I'm at my cottage. And you're right. It makes such a big difference to these bookstores are supporting you getting them to go in once. Hopefully they're going to, you know, revisit those bookstores once they discover how great it is to walk around a store like that. You know, it's really an experience. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, speaking of uh, things that you are providing and supporting businesses, you're all also just launched cooking classes on Zoom for kids, and I assume for grandkids, obviously, and grandparents. Tell me about that. 
You know, it's amazing how many grandparents are doing this with their their kids. I would say about a third of the participants are doing or cooking with their grandkids. So it came about right after Christmas. Uh, you know, in Alberta, they announced that the schools would not reopen. I know similar in, in Ontario and other provinces. Mm-hmm. So they announced, you know, the first week of January, rather than going back on January 4th, schools were going to be closed another week and with no online learning at home. Yikes. It was minus 30 in Alberta that week. And I just, my heart went out to all the parents who mm-hmm. have, you know, kids at home. I have a teenager who's 16, and he's he's pretty easy to handle during this pandemic. You know, he's he excels at social distancing. <laughs> he's happy to be in his room. But having young kids and not being able to see their friends, not being able to go places, do classes or sports, or even go to the park when it's minus 30, I thought... You know, I'll just put it out there. If if anyone wants to hop on Zoom, I have it. And if that's something I can do that even helps a few kids and families, it'll be worth it. So I, I tweeted it, you know, as one does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I set up my Zoom. I, I boosted my Zoom account to accommodate up to a thousand. Oh wow! For a month, which yeah, I had never done it before, and I thought a thousand is way more than I need. But I'll just, you know, bump it up from a hundred. And the the first class it capped out at a thousand. That's awesome. Yes. And and so, Julie, if I'm interested in signing up, let's say, with my two-year-old grandson, he's actually always in the kitchen, where would I go to find it? Is it from your website that I would find that? Well, I, I had all the stuff on my website. I just, yesterday, I just put, I just put together a website just for the kids so that all the recipes and all the upcoming classes would be in one spot. Smart. So it's at thekitchenclub.me.me. Uh, and then I made it password protected just so that it wouldn't be sort of open to the internet. So the password yeah. is love with a capital L. So, I mean, I'm happy sharing the password. I just, yeah. Yeah. in order to keep it more or less to people who are interested in participating. So kitchenclub.me and the password is love. And, and if we want any more information about all of your, I mean, you have, you know, 12 best-selling cookbooks, Julie, just that, you know, so if people want to find yes. out about that, they can find you at dinnerwithjulie.com um, and yes. at dinnerwithjulie on social media. And I encourage all of our listeners, it's uh, this show is, it's February the 12th today. Valentine's Day is not till Monday. You know, go pick up one of Julie's books, right? And make some cookies over the Valentine's Day weekend. Thank you so much for joining me today, Julie. I am going to hang up and go and make some cookies. <laughs> Good idea. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care. Marilyn Smith is the only professional home economist and food writer in Canada that is making her a popular TV and media food personality and the self-proclaimed funniest professional home economist in the world. Marilyn is a regular guest expert on City Line and Breakfast Television in Toronto and appears every Wednesday night on her Facebook fan page, Marilyn Smith Live, Cooking from Her Kitchen. She is the author of eight best-selling cookbooks, including her latest, Peace, Love, and Fiber. Good morning, Marilyn Smith. Thanks for joining us on our Valentine's Day special. I'm so happy to be here because I love the language of love. I know. And I love that your cookbook has the word love in it. Peace, love, and fiber. You know my family loves this book. And I also know that I love to watch your Facebook Lives. And you often talk about what is really a big trend now, this 2022 trend of cooking from your pantry. And before we get into what you're going to whip out of your pantry and make for yourself and your husband, what do you think makes the perfect pantry? 
Okay, so the perfect pantry should be representational. That's a big word for the morning uh, <laughs> of what you eat on a regular basis. So my pantry is going to be so different from yours because of right. what we eat all the time. So if I tell you to stock your pantry with my stuff, you may never use that. And then, you know, we're ending up throwing food away. So it should have the elements of what you make on a regular basis. So for me, um, I have things like different kinds of whole grain flours. I have different kinds of canned fish, including oysters. I have nut butters. I have grains. So so in the kind of the spur of the moment, I can open my pantry and go, hey, I know what we're going to have for dinner. So sort of making, a, as you as you go along, making a list of things that you use on a regular basis, and, and you know, obviously not fresh things that you can't keep in a pantry forever, but things that you might pull together together at one of your favorite recipes keep those on hand all the time all the time and you know it it can actually even go into the refrigerator in your freezer so say for instance Mm. you make a wonderful uh, I don't know your favorite pasta dish but you need cheese so having grated parmesan in the freezer ready and I know that's kind of a disintegrate parm but if you've got parm in your in your fridge and it's going to look like it's you know it's heading out if you grate that up and freeze it then you can use it for another day so kind of planning ahead with all those little kind of magical ingredients that kind of kick everything up I had never thought about freezing cheese before but you can definitely do that then right and how long could you leave it in there uh, you can you can freeze cheese for at least three months, but not all oh, wow. cheeses. It's mostly just hard cheeses, so like oh, okay. the cheddars, the parms. Like, like you'd never freeze a brie or anything like that. It would just be it would be disgusting when you thawed it out. <laughs> well, that's good to know. So, what what are you planning on making this Valentine's Day? And I'm sure you're going to share it when you do your Facebook Live, or maybe you're not. But anyway, you're going to share it with me now. So, what are you making for this Valentine's dinner for yourself and Scott? Well, you're getting the scoop. Okay, so um, Valentine's to me is about heart health, you know. I mean, I really Mm -hmm. want to take care of my very favorite organ, which is my heart. And so uh, that means I'm going to use salmon, which has got omega-3 fatty acids in it, which is good for heart health. And because fresh salmon is so expensive, I'm using canned. So I'm going to make salmon cakes. I'm going to make all that up, uh, cook them in the oven. And then I'm going to do a barley, kind of a risotto, so I make a barley with... It's in my pantry. I've got I've got a vegetable or chicken broth in my pantry, and I also have dried mushrooms in my pantry. So I'm going to make a, a mushroom kind of barley thing with that. And then for uh, a vegetable, I'm going to use something green out of my freezer, and I really like using frozen kale. So I might actually oh, stir nice. the frozen kale right into the barley, so I've got kind of this double whammy. But the dessert... Are you ready for this, Kathy? I am. (laughs) All right. I always have chocolate. Come on. I always have dark chocolate. And I always have soft tofu in my fridge. So I make this chocolate mousse with whipped soft tofu, a little bit of honey, and melted chocolate. My mouth is watering down. And is that a vegan recipe then? I know some vegans don't eat honey, but except for the honey, is that purely vegan? You could, if you wanted to sub and put maple syrup in instead for vegans, you could totally do that. It's going to give it a bit more of a caramel flavor. Sure. But for vegetarians, honey, for vegans, maple syrup, it is, it's on my website. It is the most fantastic, easy recipe I ever came up with. 
And, uh, yeah, it's chocolate heaven. And it's heart healthy. Tofu is good for your heart. Heart healthy. And and speaking of heart healthy, you know, it is heart month in Canada and the U.S. So, you know, looping back to if we're to try to stock our pantry with some heart healthy foods, what would be your sort of top, you know, three or five things that you make sure you have in your pantry? Okay. So always remember that fiber is your friend when it comes to heart health. Mm -hmm. Uh, you want to, you want to be reducing your, your, uh, your cholesterol. So barley and oats are always in my pantry. Um, uh, oat bran or oats in the morning, seal cut oats, whatever. Uh, barley is a grain for dinner. Salmon, once again, one of the reasons I use it for heart health. Uh, another big one is mushrooms. And so Mm -hmm. mushrooms have a soluble fiber in them as well, which is really good for heart health. And then as far as your, you know, your other stuff that's in your cupboards. Uh, a sweet potato is a wonderful choice for heart health, once again, because it's high in soluble fiber. And every kind of bean out there. Yes, you are a big bean fan. I know that. Your bean salads are great. I make them out of your out of your cookbook. And you just referenced your website um, for all of these great recipes and where we can find you. And I just want to make sure people know how to spell your name because it is Marilyn, M-A-I-R-L-Y-N-S-M-I-T-H. So MarilynSmith.com. And that is also where we can find you on Twitter at Marilyn Smith, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, again, Again, I'm saying it again, but your cookbook is a favorite in our house. And happy Valentine's Day to you and Scott. And to you. And thank you for always loving my book. I love that you love my baby, which is my book. I do. (laughs) I do. Thanks, Marilyn. Thank you. Aaron Clark is the co-founder and chief operating officer of Epilogue Wills, an online platform that helps people create their own wills and other estate planning documents like powers of attorney. Before starting Epilogue, Aaron practiced as a tax and estate planning lawyer in Toronto, where he saw firsthand how factors like cost and time prevented people from completing the will-making process. He dug a bit deeper and was astonished to learn that over 50% of Canadian adults don't have a will at all. Aaron teamed up with another estate planning lawyer, Daniel Goldgut, and the two of them started Epilogue with the goal of democratizing estate planning. Through Epilogue's online platform, Canadians can create their own basic wills and powers of attorney from the comfort of their own homes in as little as 20 minutes and at a fraction of the cost of working with a lawyer. Good morning, Aaron. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Kathy. So, Aaron, tell me, why is it so important for someone to have a will in place? And also, what happens if someone doesn't have one when they pass away? That's a great question. So there's two main elements that go into every single will. The first one the one that most people think about when they think about making a will is how are my assets going to be distributed? In other words, who's going to get my stuff? Mm -hmm. The other one is um, who's going to be in charge? Who's the executor of my estate? So the executor is the person or the company that's put in charge of winding up your affairs. And that means closing accounts, uh, making sure your taxes are filed and paid, and ultimately uh, distributing your assets in accordance with the will. So when somebody dies without a will, it's called dying intestate. And it means they've basically given up the ability to make these decisions for themselves. And the decisions around who the executor is going to be and how the assets are going to be distributed, those are left up to the courts and the default rules in the province where they live. Hmm. And, yeah, and there's a lot of misconceptions around the intestacy rules. So, for example, I've heard people say, you know, I've been married for 40 years, uh, I've got three kids, and I assume that if I die without a will, my assets will just go to my spouse. But in Ontario, that's actually not the case. Um, Ontario's intestacy rules say that if you die without a will, your assets get split between 
uh, your spouse and your children, which isn't necessarily what somebody would want. Right. Another misconception is in a common law scenario. It doesn't matter whether you've been in a common law relationship for three years or 30 years. Under Ontario's intestacy rules, if somebody dies without a will, their common law partner is entitled to nothing. And that surprises wow. a lot of people. Yeah. That surprises me, yeah. Yeah, and so it, it's really important to, to put that will in place so that you have the opportunity to make those decisions for yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people only think about getting a will for the first time after having kids. It's sort of a natural time to think about that. But, you know, why is it so important in particular for parents to have a will in place? Yeah. So in addition to the two points I mentioned earlier, naming an executor and deciding how your assets are going to be distributed, uh, when parents of young children make a will, there's another important decision, and that's who's going to be the guardian of their kids if something happens to both of them. Absolutely. Yeah. The will is really the opportunity for parents to have their voice heard and to think about who they would want to raise their kids if they're unable to do so. And often there's multiple options to choose from, right? There may be two sets of grandparents who would be options, or there might be Mm -hmm. siblings or close friends. And so it's a really uh, important thing for a young couple to have this discussion and ultimately create a will to document that wish. And then just as important is to let people know why you've made that decision, because as you can imagine, uh, if these things aren't discussed, they could lead to, you know, some discord and some hurt feelings, potentially. Absolutely. And I'm thinking, you know, if you're going to name the grandparents, you know, as the guardians, you want to make sure you've had that discussion with your parents about that first. Yeah, nobody likes to get that kind of surprise. And, um, you know, I appreciate, Kathy, that, you know, a lot of your listeners may not have young kids anymore, but uh, if any of them have young grandkids, this is a really important mm-hmm. discussion for them to have with their own children. Make sure their kids have wills in place. Absolutely. And when most people think about making a will, they imagine a process which is, you know, finding a lawyer, or meeting with a lawyer. This is what I did, Erin. Um, you discuss your wishes and having the lawyer prepare the will. But what's the process when someone wants to make their will online with epilogue wills? Yeah, it surprises a lot of people when they find out that you don't actually need a lawyer to make a will. There's no legal requirement to have a lawyer prepare your will or sign your will or witness your will or stamp your will or anything like that. Uh, So when somebody's needs are pretty basic, it's perfectly fine to create your own will. Uh, The problem is, of course, most people wouldn't know where to start, and that's why that's where an online solution can become uh, really handy. Uh, so when somebody uses an online platform like Epilogue to create their will, they go through a guided questionnaire, one question at a time, and the questionnaire changes. So, for example, for somebody that tells the platform that they have young kids, they'll be asked those guardianship questions. And if somebody only has adult kids, they simply won't get guardianship questions. And at the end of the questionnaire, the system will automatically generate their wills, and uh, Epilogue's will comes with a full set of uh, signing instructions so that somebody knows exactly what they need to do to follow the formal requirements uh, of their province and make sure that the wills are valid. This is amazing. I mean, to be able to do this, I think you would suggest that if your circumstances are more complicated, you might want to speak to a lawyer, um, you know, if you're in a second marriage or, or things like that. That's absolutely right. There's a number of circumstances, like you mentioned, second marriage, or if somebody wants to, you know, treat children unequally or even exclude a child altogether. Like, those are really good cases where you're going to want that legal advice that you can't get through an online platform. But uh, for a a basic situation where you're saying, you know, leave everything to my spouse, 
And if my spouse isn't alive gifting equally to my kids, um, you know, online wills can be a good option. And these days, you know, everybody is getting more comfortable doing their banking and managing their investments online. It seems like doing some basic estate planning online seems like the natural evolution of things. Well, if we want more information, we can go to epiloguewills.com and your epilogue underscore wills on your social media, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we really thank you for joining us as part of our Take 5 with RBC series and clearing up a few things for us. Thanks so much, Aaron. My pleasure, Kathy. Take care. You too. Peace, love and fiber. Cookies I have loved. These two know how to name a cookbook, and they know how to create recipes that will keep you happy. And what a great Valentine's Day gift that would be for your loved one. Head to an independent bookstore before Monday to pick one up. Thank you, Julie Van Rosendahl and Marilyn Smith, for joining me today. Continuing with our Heart Healthy Focus this month, which is in fact Heart Month in Canada and the U.S., next week we are going to be speaking with a cardiologist about the symptoms of heart failure and what we need to be looking out for in ourselves and in our loved ones. Nutritionist Abby Langer joins me for a conversation about dealing with grandchildren who have established unhealthy eating habits and what grandparents can do to be helpful and not harmful in helping them to make a few changes. Our Take 5 with RBC segment will delve into some options if you are considering selling or refinancing your U.S. property. As usual, I hope you pick up facts and fun as you join me on your grand journey. If you've missed any episodes of the show, remember, they're up on the podcast. I'm Kathy Buckworth, your go-to grandma. Thanks for dropping in. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.